Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. We are excited about the launch of our November theme in really recognizing how do we navigate the skill sets for us to show up in our purpose whether they are fearlessness, whether it is gratitude, whether it is service, we are continuing to focus on the opportunity to show up in leadership opportunities, whether it be in entrepreneurship or as an administrator, um, as an educator, or even straight out of your own household. How do you show up in spaces in your most authentic self recognizing that soft skills actually are the skills that move us forward. We're having a conversation around our finances, our faith, and our ability to move forward. And our guest this episode is Andra Williams. She is the founder of Andra Williams Co., a boutique marketing and online coaching firm located in Los Angeles, California, with seven years of organic marketing and sales experience. She has developed marketing content and business strategies for both startups and Fortune 500 brands in industries such as fashion, beauty, culinary, health, health practitioners, banking, and nonprofits. As the founder of Andra Williams Co., she has helped over 66 brands by creating go-to marketing and business strategies to drive revenue for product and service launches, brand awareness and visibility, content strategies, and helping her clients, churches, and women's empowerment events by securing paid speaking engagements with well-known, renowned artists such as Medina Pullings and Kiera Shear. She, I love this quote from her page. She helps cultivate female entrepreneurs into industry disruptors through authentic, heartfelt marketing and creative strategies that will create a lasting brand. She brands herself as that extended friend that really provides um, a personal touch to her services. And I can't wait to hear her flip side conversation of how to trust the timeline to your productivity. Welcome to the show, Andra. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I love, you know, that quote that you said, that's like one of my favorite quotes. I'm like, I need to have that on my website. So I thank you so much for having me on today. It was absolutely something that resonated with me um, when I was reading, doing my homework in preparation for today. And there are so many elements of your 
um, website, your services, your approach to serving others that absolutely just resonates with how I feel about supporting um, specifically women, but all leaders. We Living Strong Consulting, we support um, more clients than just women, but our biggest client base are women. But your your approach to how you make it um, spiritually grounded in your faith, intentional, but I love the, the, the whole piece around, just think of me as your extended marketing friend. I was like, I love that. I love it. <laughs> so I, one of the things that everyone who works with me knows that's important to me is the word fearless. And as I did um, some research for our conversation, one of the questions that stood out for me was, how did you actually learn to stand in a fearless place as a Christian business owner to align yourself with what God was building in you and your character and in your resilience. How did you even get to that place of fearlessness? I will say that it had to come from years of being inside of my prayer closet where I learn much more about myself and my capabilities than what I could see naturally. So it was within those moments of the Lord showing me how strong I was, because when I was growing up, I had a lot of, um, I would say, abuse that I endured. And so that allowed for me to just feel like I was a victim. And it was through me being inside of my prayer closet and me like being stripped and me becoming vulnerable. And that is where God was like able to allow for me to really just stand and to become fearless. So I would say through being hidden almost is how I was able to build my character. That is a powerful image, um, the concept, because it is counterculture, right? So most people feel like you have to get bold by being out there, but you literally said the flip. You actually needed to be hidden, you needed to be in a quiet space, secluded, um, but connected with God in order for you to be ready to be fearless and bold. Yes, yes. That's that's truly how it was. I remember going and doing the first thing, like wanting to just be out there and wanting for everyone to see me. But I realized that I was pretending that I was fearless. And I was like, I'm really scared in the inside. And so I was like, okay, let me just go back to my prayer closet and ask the Lord to reveal things within me. That's really allowing for me to look at my life and to feel like I'm a victim that I cannot overcome my situations. And that is when the Lord started to reveal a lot about my character, a lot about my childhood, things that a lot about the way that I look and the way that I sound and how I was just like, kind of almost like Elijah, how he was in that cave and how he was hiding and the Lord had to like call him out. Like, and he started talking to him, having all these conversations. And so I feel like that's where I was able to become fearless. It's just in that prayer closet, having a conversation with God until I was able to come out. And it's like, okay, now I can stand confidently in who I am and what he has placed within me. 
it really sounds like there's an opportunity for me to reference uh, a free training that you have on your landing page. And it's entitled Holy Spirit-Led Business Model. I, I feel like you, you would need to be in a prayer closet to yeah. be bold enough <laughs> to, to create such a framework. Um, and the description says that it is designed to help clients discover how to build out a Holy Spirit-Led business framework to grow a relationship with God and position your business for profit. And first of all, before we get to the framework, I feel like people are afraid to have those two words together in the same sentence, relationship with God and profit. It's almost like that's a taboo. And do you do you find that to be the same? <laughs> oh, yes. All the time. Like whenever I talk to my clients, they're like, I love how you're so bold and how you talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about God. But you'll also at the same time, you'll send over an invoice. And I'm like, I love it. It's like the best of both worlds. But I feel like I had to get to that space where I realized that what's connected to me is so big and that it takes me charging for my my services in order for me to build the kingdom of God the way that he wanted me to. So it's doing me a disservice. It's doing other people a disservice if I do not place a price tag on it. And so by me um, telling others, like, you know, even though I'm charging, but I'm not, I haven't lost sight of different things. You know, I'm still building the way that God wants me to build, but I'm just going at it from a different perspective. For me, it's stewardship. Right. So you are being a good steward of the gift, the responsibility of building a business and the responsibility of building products that will serve and add value to others. So it would be um, irresponsible for you not to create a financial infrastructure for you to do that in excellence, to do it well. And there's a difference between stewardship and greed, right? It, profit does not equal greed necessarily. Yes, in our um, culture today, um, we have seen many experiences and examples where going after a profit margin that actually creates division, creates distraction, and is greed-driven. But just because you use the word profit and just because you use strategies that create a profit margin doesn't mean that you are in a space that is um, sinful. It, in many respects, I would um, the way you just framed it, it's actually fulfilling God's purpose. Yes, for sure. Yes. And that was, as I said, like that's the conversation that we have inside of my programs where they're like, I want to steward over God's, you know, his, the things that he has placed within me. But, you know, at the same time, I do need money to build my business. And so they're at this weird stage of, is it possible for me to cultivate a community while placing a price tag on it? And I'm like, very much so, you know, but I feel like it's a conversation that we do not have because a lot of us are in ministry and to some capacity. And so when we're we're combining business and ministry together, and it's just like, you know, there it's a lot of 
um, gray areas. Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And I feel like coming together and teaching other women, like, you know, how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit while at the same time, you know, uh, placing yourself in position to receive income is, it's a, it's a hard struggle, but it's, it's possible. It's possible. There's a balance there. Yeah. Can you give us a couple of tips or strategies or thoughts that you have around this whole concept of a Holy Spirit led business model? Yes, I would say that the one strategy is to continue to have God as your foundation. That's like the number one thing, because as you are building out your business and you're looking at other people scale their business, or maybe they are moving at a different time period um, within the online entrepreneurship journey, maybe it's like they started at the same time as you and their business hit six figures and you're still in a stage. And so it's like, are you still including God at the foundation of your business while you are trying to trying to scale? So with me, that means like continuing to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me, tell me when to close down programs, telling me what to really create. And I feel like, you know, we don't include God within a whole creation process of it. It's a quote that says that we want God's hand, but we don't want his eye like ideas at the same time, but we want for him to bless it, but we don't want his ideas. So it was like by me sitting down and saying, God, I just don't want your hand. I want your, your say, I want your approval um, on that. And so that's like one of the biggest things is just to sit down and cool God in that foundation piece before you start to scale and before you start to create content and programs and all that. There's a real tension. I think again, in our, what we're often fed through the culture of um, the fear of missing out. And if I don't continue to push this in a particular way, I'm going to miss out on this opportunity when really if we are more attuned, it's an opportunity for us to hear what God wants us to do, which will inevitably lead to the bigger purpose. Yes, for sure. Yes, that was... Definitely one of my struggles. I because I started my business when I was 24. So I'm about to be um, 32. And so it's this whole stage now of me like, God, like I, I, I'm missing out like I, I'm building your the I'm building my business the way that you told me to. But at the same time, now it's almost 10 years me building. So I'm just in this stage of just building, I'm missing out on just a lot of things, you know, my family and being around my family, just like studying, being in my prayer closet. I feel like I was just like missing out on so many things. And I feel that's where a lot of people are right now. They are in this stage of just toiling, toiling, toiling. And they're like, God, like, okay, when is it going to be my time? I'm building a way that you want me to build. I'm sacrificing. I'm submitting myself. I'm including, you know, your spirit in my business. And I'm still in a position of where things are not making sense for me financially to continue to do business how you want me to do it. So it's like kind of like, you know, go left and we take God out and we're just like, you know, I'm going to miss out on making six figures if I don't do it the way that this person is telling me to do it and all these crazy ideas that we have. Or even as we're watching social media and other, yeah. what other people are putting out there and as well, <laughs> I think about when we know that we've done the work and yeah. it gets really tricky, if we can be honest, that when we know that we've done the work and we have the skill set and we have been um, trying to put the best quality things out there 
and we look over and someone we know who may not have the same skill set, have the same background, you're like, well, why are they ahead of me? Yeah. And it's a really tough moment and test of true obedience. Yes, for sure. Because you oftentimes you think like, God, am I not good enough? You know, like, and that's one of the things that I, I wrestle with a lot is that I wrestle with the idea that God was showing favoritism. And I was like, you know, I was in a stage of me building, but in my heart, I said, God, you're showing favoritism to this person. Like here I am building the way that you want me to build, but she's taking all the clients. She's getting all the money. And I'm sitting over here with my $32 that I made for two years, trying to make it come together. And you get so discouraged, you know, you get so discouraged with uh, wanting to stay in a race because at that point you're defeated. And you're looking at everyone on social media travel around the world while you're like, um, you know, I'm just going to go to the mall and that's going to be my vacation that I'm going to have away from my kids. And you just get so defeated with the whole process of being an entrepreneur. So how did you decide to leverage your story, your experience? You, you mentioned a little bit of your, your flip side mindset that you had to overcome. How did you decide to leverage your story to align with your business to actually foster um, profitability? I found out about personal development, not personal development, personal branding. And I was like, okay, people were asking me about my story and how I was able to overcome certain situations. And so I realized that if I were to tell my testimony and to package it in a way that it wasn't overwhelming, but just to package certain elements of my, my journey, then the people that the Lord is sending to me, that they'll be able to see themselves within my story. So I decided, as I said, take my story, turn it into four kind of chapters of my life and just start to really just sell that in a sense. Like, you know, if I'm able to overcome certain situations, if I'm able to build a six-figure business after, you know, being only only making $32 in my business, like if I'm able to do it, then you can do it. And here's how you can do it. And I just told my story. And this was way before I didn't even know the whole nitty gritty of personal uh, personal branding. But I just knew that if I were to share my story, other women can be able to see themselves within that. And then I started to know more about personal branding and how uh, vulnerability, how that really just um, allow people to want to support your business, you know, and being a leader isn't always about being tough and being like strong it's about just being vulnerable and being able to admit your mistakes and your journey and so it was a lot of vulnerability that was happening and around that time as I said I had no idea really about personal branding but I just was like you know I'm going to be vulnerable because a lot of people right now are just pretending and they are acting like you know they never had to borrow money as an entrepreneur in order to fund their business or they never had to go back home to, you know, get their business off the ground, then step out full time. And so I said, you know, I'm just going to be vulnerable. I'm just going to be honest and just be transparent about my journey and my process. And that is really what was like the connector piece was that people was like, wow, I see myself in your story. And that was kind of like the beginning journey for me and how I was able to build was through me just being vulnerable. So we're getting ready to go on break. But before we do, I would love to hear how do you define personal branding from your perspective? 
I would define personal branding as your as a connection piece, connectivity, uh, being for your audience to be able to connect with you, as well as being vulnerable, vulnerable with your story, vulnerable about where the Lord has you right now and not feeling guilty about that. I will also describe it as you just showing personality. Because a lot of people, they connect with people that they best relate to, not just from a story standpoint, but just how you are in your personality. We see a lot of leaders, they're able to do that um, just by showing personality. One of person that I like is Sarah Jakes Roberts and how she's always just showcasing her personality. And, and that's really what it's all about, being connective, having, being vulnerable, and also just uh, showcasing your personality. That reminds me of a quote that Craig um, Groeschel uses often on his leadership podcast. He often says people don't look for a leader who's right. They look for a leader who is real. And that I feel like that's a one of those soft skills, that vulnerability, that honesty, um, being real, being open. It's not people, especially today, cannot stay connected to someone who shows up in perfection. They actually want and are hungry for the fact that, okay, you struggled, you're willing to share how you struggled, you're honest about it. And I can now learn from your process that helped you move past those stumbling points and, and the very vulnerable areas that may have had you stuck at one point. Yes, for sure. And that was something that, as I said, like I didn't know too much about personal uh, uh, branding when I first started, but I was like, I'm just going to share my story and I'm going to be able to share it in a way that people can best relate to and not to act like I'm 100% perfect throughout this whole process because I have done things, I have said things, the Lord had to really build my character. Um, and so, yes, just being vulnerable, being honest, because that is what people desire and crave the most out of a perfect leader. Yeah. Wow, we are already at our very first break in the conversation. There are so many more questions I have, but we've already begun to peel back the layers of what most people would call soft skills of leadership, but I actually feel like they are the skills that help leaders stand strong. And you've already shared with us how being vulnerable is absolutely a skill set that people are hungry for, and you can actually use that vulnerability as an opportunity to be real, to help people feel connected, and you can use your story to monetize the process, and that's not a point to be ashamed. <laughs> So we will be right back um, during this break. Take the opportunity to check out Living Strong Consulting's website and the resources that we provide. We are a leadership and team development company, and we provide several different aspects of supporting nonprofits, of supporting youth-based organizations, as well as faith-based organizations, and how to build the infrastructure so that you not only are thinking or speaking your vision, but you are actually creating strong legs to walk it out. Our website is livingstrongllc.com. Check us out and we'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to our conversation. Trust the timeline to your profitability. And it's recognizing that faith, finances, and forward movement, yes, they can all actually live in the same sentence without shame or um, trying to, to feel as though you're doing something wrong. We're having a conversation with Andra Williams, and she has built a platform to walk her clients through understanding building Christian entrepreneurship with integrity, with authenticity, and as she shared before the break, vulnerability. And as we come back into our conversation, I'm curious, Andra, what is the biggest misconception around Christian entrepreneurship that you've encountered in your work? Yes, I will say the biggest misconception is that, as we talked about it earlier, to do everything for free because it's a part of servanthood. And to me, I feel like it's, it's such a great area that a lot of people don't share about because it's a very touchy subject. You know, it's like, oh, am I are you teaching people to, you know, to rob the people of God? And then are you teaching people to stay in poverty? So I find myself having to 
walk people through the process of understanding, you know, just a biblical approach to wealth and how the Lord wants us to charge because in the Bible says that a workman is worthy of his pay. And so how do we navigate through that? And I find that the biggest um, challenge that a lot of women are facing right now is how do I add a price tag to my gifts? How do I boldly place, you know, a $10,000 price tag on teaching other Christian entrepreneurs or other women in general, how to build a business, how to, you know, um, ignite the fire within their marriage or whatever they are uh, specializing in. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest ones is confidently placing a price tag on, on your services. Can you give us a nugget? Because I get that question all the time. And I'm curious about your perspective when someone is asking, so how do I find a price? Can you just give us a nugget on some advice that you give some of your clients who come to you with that question? Yeah, so I take them down. It's a three-step question that I ask them. So the first one is really understanding their, their value that they give to the market because half of the time they feel as if they do not have value outside of their expertise. And so that's like, they're like, okay, well, the internet or the people on social media, they do not know me. So I need to place a lower price tag on my services. And so, you know, and even also too, since I'm administrating, place a lower price tag on it. So I asked them the question of really just going down the list of really just placing inner value wealth upon their self and knowing how all of their experiences has really got them to the point of where they are right now. And then after we go through the process, the end of the process says like, you know, you placing a price tag on your services is something that's so invaluable because for someone to walk in your shoes, to get the degree, to overcome the limits and beliefs and the learned experience that they will have to go through at least like 20 years of experience and you're giving it to them for a $20,000 price tag or for a $500 price tag. And at the end of the exercise, they're like, wow, okay. I definitely understand, you know, um, how my life and my inner value really is it's much easier if you do it that way instead of just saying place a price tag on it and all this stuff because it's so much stuff that uh, they I feel like they just don't really not like comprehend, but they don't really feel confident in right now. Yes. yes. The moment you started talking, I thought about the real truth and understanding that when you are giving someone a service, it's not just that moment, but you're actually condensing all of your credentials, the bookwork, the legwork, the knowledge, the study. You are condensing it down so that they don't have to do it and you're giving them a nugget um, from your own experiences and without the work that you started this conversation with, getting in the closet and, and having God really help you understand your worth and your value and how he sees and what he's put in you and what he's going to bring out of you, you can begin to question because I think sometimes we're so focused on comparing ourselves with others instead of digging deep to really comprehend what we're bringing to the table. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like we oftentimes, 
And the second half of that process is really not focusing on what you lack, because I feel like as we are placing value or placing a price tag on ourselves, we're like, I do not have a degree. I do not have all of the latest equipment that other people have. And so someone paying me $10,000 or someone paying me $500 is, is too much because I do not have it. And so once we kind of like reposition your focus and not to focus upon the things that you lack, but the things that you have and how, as I mentioned, how if someone was to walk in your shoes, they would have to at least have so much experience. Well, they have to go through so much in order to be able to be where you are at. And so placing a price tag on it is truly you just collapse in time, as you mentioned, and, and no longer feeling like I need to compare. I feel like I was mm-hmm. often in rivalry with a lot of women in business. And that was why I too had a struggle with just placing a price tag because I, I was always competing. Like I was always like, I have like this competitor nature inside of me <laughs> and it rolled over into business. Um, and so yeah, I was constantly competing. And so when I sat down and went through that process, I was like, okay, you know, for someone to do exactly what I've done, even at, when I turned uh, 30, that's when I was able to cross six figures. Like to, for someone to be able to do that and to walk in my shoes and to not lose their head, they're going to have at least like, you know, 20 years of experience. <laughs> like they're going to have a couple 20 years of experience. Right. I even think about the literal act of, because I, I love part two. Stop focusing on what you lack or what you think you lack and stick with, start with one. And if we even had the exercise of before you begin to create prices, go through and begin to write out your experiences that you're bringing to the table, your credentials that you're bringing to the table, the classes that you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Actually write out and list the sweat equity that just got you to this moment. I think it would mentally create a shift yeah. for women if they wrote, began to write down what they have endured, learned, uh, cultivated just to get here that they're going to now condense down and create a process for someone else to follow. You're like, oh, that cost me a lot yes. to get to this point. And now I'm going to cheapen it by saying I can't actually put a price tag to it. Now we're sabotaging it. Yes. And I feel like that's what we don't, we don't struggle. We oftentimes just like, okay, for this, I'm going to place it at a price. And then if the market doesn't want it, then I'm going to continue to lower that price and lower it. And I realized, as you said, like, once we sit down and we realize, you know, for, for someone to be at the level of where I'm at, they will have to go through so much and they're not really, I don't feel like we don't really sit down and write down that list and to become vulnerable and to say, you know, this is even with any sort of ministry work or any sort of um, extracurricular activities, all those things start to add up over time. And as you start to write that list down, you realize that you're still placing a price tag on something that's still so invaluable. And so mm. by me saying $20,000, you know, it's like that's still such a lower price than what it's actually worth. Yeah. So you said there were three things. Did I miss the, did I hear the third? 
Oh, so the other one, I feel like I just went off on a tangent. See, I'm like one of like the 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 pastors that's like come very long way. <laughs> no, what this is good. You're getting it giving us um, meat. Yes. Um yeah. So the other one is to go through that that list and to ask yourself the questions. And the other one is to realize that you do not have to overwhelm a program in order for it to be price at a higher price. We oftentimes feel like we need to continue to give 24 hour access to ourselves. We need to have, you know, they need to have our phone numbers. We need to do all of this, all of these crazy things in order for something to be worth it. Because I feel like that's how we are conditioned in our nine to five job is that we're conditioned is like, they tell you you're worth $10 and they're just like, but if you do this, if you do that, then I'll give you more money. So as we go into entrepreneurship is that we have that same mentality is that the only way that I'm worth more is if I continue to give you all of me and we don't lean in with our expertise. So that's one of the things that I go in with is under like restructuring their mindset for them to know that, hey, it's okay for you to charge whatever you want to charge without offering your whole entire life in order for mm-hmm. you to have that uh, that price. And also too, as we go through the other, I'm trying to remember all of them because it's like so many things in my mind right now <laughs> about pricing. But I would say just those, I would probably say those two things right there is to go through that value list. And then also to understand that whatever you price it at, you you can stand in that. And you don't have to do more to show that you're an expert because you are an expert. And we oftentimes feel like if I want to be an expert, then I have to continuously to show people that I'm an expert. But I feel like, you know, it the results doesn't become tangible if you just go overwhelming with your, your program or your services. So those three things basically is what I would say about pricing. <laughs> I said a lot. <laughs> I love I love all of them. And the last part of what you said, uh, recognizing um, that you it, you're not actually chasing after um, a marketplace perception of yeah. what you're worth, and. So, so we had uh, a guest, her name is Mathina. She was on and she actually was foundational in my journey of launching my business. And one of the things that she helped me also recognize that I often tell clients is to not worry about the pocketbook of somebody else. Because yes. sometimes we'll, we will be so concerned on whether or not we think they can afford it, that we will lessen what our ask is. And she's and she one time she said, Will you stop worrying about my pocketbook? If mm-hmm. I can't afford it, I will tell you, tell me how much it is, and we can go from there. But I think people try will play around with the fear of pricing something because they're afraid. And they're thinking so much about what someone else can afford that they are sabotaging or compromising what they're worth. Yes, I totally agree. And that's something that I mentioned, too, is to not count other people's money and not to mislabel someone and to feel like, oh, this person, just because they have the latest the latest fashion on that they are, they are able to pay that. And what I've seen multiple times is that the women that have come inside of my world, and these are women who are NASA engineers, and they don't really they look just like a, you know, a normal person, how, you know, how anyone will look. 
And they were able to afford the top of my products and stuff. And so I had to realize that I'm counting people's money. I'm telling myself, if you look a certain type of way, then you're able to afford to work with me. And that has been the total opposite. And as you said, it's a very self-sabotaging behavior because you're just like, this person can afford it while this person can't. So I'm going to lower my prices or I'm going to offer them the lower option, even though they are willing and able to pay for the higher option. But Again, it's all about just going through that whole process and like mapping it out and really becoming foundational with who the person is that you truly want to serve and not to look at all of these exterior things about her, but these are the characteristics. And so if she comes to me with these characteristics, this is what I am going to give her. And I'm going to stand firm in my pricing. I'm not going to go overwhelming. I want for her to get her results in the fastest route as possible. And I'm just going to lean in with my pricing and just stand secure in that and hold the energy that someone can pay that in full if they desire. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's an opportunity for you to pay more attention to the quality of your content than trying to identify whether or not this customer or this client can pay or can't pay. They can decide, but as long as you stay true to the quality, the excellence, the process of cultivating your content, you are still going to be able to add value and recognize that there's not a shame in creating um, a price tag that actually re- reflects the worth that you bring. There's something you just said sh- a moment ago, and I immediately thought of the word boundaries. When we get into this mindset that people have to have 24-hour access to us in order for us to be considered good or to be considered qualified to serve. So we just keep giving of ourselves and then we're we're exhausted. But there is one way that I, in the pandemic, was forced into really exploring, and that's online um, entrepreneurship opportunities. Can you, I know that that's an area of expertise for you. Can you tell us some, some insights around building an online platform for your services, for your coursework? What's your insight on that? You said to how are we just creating boundaries around Mm -hmm. online entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I feel like one of the ways to counterbalance having people or constantly having people have access to you is actually creating a platform in which you don't have to be there. I have an online service that this is an opportunity for you to have access to the work to the content that I'm offering, but you don't physically, I don't physically have to be in the room or in your presence, but there's a skill set and a mindset for that. So what, how, what are some of the tips or strategies you would help uh, an entrepreneur that has an in-person platform right now and they're interested in creating almost that passive income that can come in from an online service. What advice would you give? I would tell them to focus, as you mentioned, on passive income, passive income through social media, as well as passive income through their website, through affiliate marketing, advertisement display, and selling courses. I will say that if you are trying to make your life easier, 
is to create those courses to systemize your business and to figure out the gaps within your business on why you're not able to have, um, why you're not able to go into step into the ease with passive income. So majority of the time is that if a business, if they are focusing on in person, they do not have any system set up to support the online entrepreneurship uh, aspect of their business. And so setting up systems within your business, systemizing everything, setting up softwares within your business, as well as having some sort of passive income through direct marketing, learning how to do advertisement display, which is like my favorite because as a blogger, that's one of the things that I really was able to really do before I stepped into speaking. So I'm kind of like backwards, but learning passive income through affiliate marketing, advertisement display, brand sponsorships, and as well as just systemizing your business and creating the evergreen program so people can enroll in that and learning how to do email marketing. It's like, it's so many possibilities on the, the route that you can go through. But I would say first, start off with the systems, systemizing your business, gaining structure, and then move into passive income and figuring out because passive income is not primarily through selling courses, but figuring out what type of passive income makes the most sense for your business that could be through direct or that could be through another option as well. Yes, that last piece, figure out the passive income that's right for your business. I think sometimes people, again, out of comparison, are running after what they're seeing other people do. And it's not necessarily the right fit for what you do. Can you break down a little bit for us some of those terms that you just shared? Um, ad marketing, um, affiliate um, marketing. Uh, can you break some of that down for our listeners? Yes. So there is, I would say that there's two types of affiliate two types of passive income that you can bring in. You have true passive income that is through affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is when you are affiliated with someone else's course, their coaching program, maybe through a product that they have, and they'll give you a link to promote that. Now, if you have a very, if you have a business that's in person and you are capitalizing off of email marketing, that would be a great asset for you versus selling courses because that's not, something that you would probably partner with. But on the flip side, if you are someone who has an amazing social audience and you are constantly connecting and networking with people, then selling courses, doing masterclasses, workshops will be a good passive income for you where you can start to digitize all of that. But with affiliate marketing, again, it's through that link. And then through advertisement display is when you sign up to a website, a company, and they will place ads on your website, which is another amazing tool to monetize your, your, your business if you're trying to step into just the ease and the flow through that. And there are so many sites that you can go through, such as like Google ads, all of these uh, different sources. So again, it's understanding what feels easy to you because selling courses may not be easy for some people who's trying to go in person, but at the same time, creating a podcast and interlinking an affiliate link within that may be easy for them to gain additional income. So figuring out where you are at and leaning in with what makes the most sense for you and your business. Because passive income shouldn't just be an extension of your exhaustion. Yes. It's recognizing creating that um, opportunity 
that's going to work for your business, not necessarily watching somebody else and say, well, I'm going to do that too, when you should have never started an online course course because that's content creation you actually don't have time for. Yes, (laughs) they're recording other videos, all of that stuff. And so I saw, I talked to a lot of like single moms and they're just like looking at other entrepreneurs and they're just like, I want to be like her. But I see you have to take into consideration that you guys have way different schedules and you guys are at two different stages within your life and within your business. So you spending all day creating a course may not be feasible for you right now, but learning how to do affiliate marketing and, you know, you have a podcast and you're recording that, why not just, you know, drop some links within your commercial break if that's something that that makes the most sense and it's easy. It, it doesn't, you doesn't, you don't have all this restriction with sitting down, recording, editing, and then on top of that, learning how to market because it's a whole different ball game with selling lower ticket price options. Mm-hmm. So it's thinking about how can I create um, affiliate links it, within what I'm already doing naturally, as opposed to trying to create this entire other package that I actually don't have time for. And yeah. then I feel as though I've failed another thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You referenced something earlier and I don't want to miss the opportunity for you to share with us. You had a season in time where you sat with thirty two dollars. So what tell us about that process where you actually found your voice um, through your expertise, even though you sat for 10 years and, but you got to a place of profitability. Walk us through that. Yes. Well, in 2018, this is kind of like how everything started for me. Well, 2016, but I started my online course. I started a course in 2018. And I was really sure that I heard the Lord tell me to build this course. And I didn't know much about marketing. I just knew like, okay, I'm just going to build it. I started out on Teachable. And my mom and my friend were the only two people who signed up to my course. And I was completely devastated because I'm like, God, I just, I created this course. You told me to create it. And so I took brand, well, I didn't have enough money to do brand pictures. So I was outside of a Walmart parking lot with a flag, well, not a flag, some balloons and a poster that says like my uh, course name. And, and that's where I was at for a while. And I remember just being like uh, devastated, frustrated with that. I built out this course and I, I was obedient to God, but no one signed up. And so 2020, I decided that I told myself I wasn't going to start anything new until I got this course off the ground. And so I decided I hired a coach and we just went at it with the marketing and I saw my income go from like $32, $0 to 10K months. And I'm like, wow. So that was a process of me just building perseverance and me being resilient and what the Lord told me and waiting until it was time for me to launch it. I believe that the Lord just wanted for me to see, but wanted to look at me to see if I will be faithful to creating that before he started to bring in the people and before I was able to step into profitability. So throughout that time, it was him just building up character within me, me being inside of my prayer closet, asking the Lord to show me areas of my heart that was discontent with the process of the the things that he had me to go through in order for me to step into profitability. So 
because yeah. the the prophet was going to be there. He had already promised to take care of you, but the actual skill that he wanted to invest in was your character, yes. your perseverance, your um, belief that what I gave you, whether it looks like it's going to do what you think it's going to do in that moment or not, will you stick with it? Because the moment you said it didn't work, I immediately thought of how many people it didn't work. So, okay, I'm going to throw that away mm -hmm. and I'm going to do something completely different. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to throw that away and do something else. But it's actually about staying consistent with what God gave you and then build the systems and the marketing around it. Yes, yes. And and just trusting your timeline, trusting whenever the Lord is going to release that, the profit to you, but just staying in a race and not becoming overwhelmed with the fact that you do not have it just yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we only have about four minutes left and I have two things I want to ask. One is I know that you have had to learn how to juggle um, work and family and even entrepreneurship. It, it, at one point it was a side gig and, and not the, the main gig and a nugget around how did you juggle and what's on the horizon for you? Yes. I would say I learned how to juggle with just really me asking myself, how much time do I have to spend on this? Because I have three jobs at one point and juggling being in ministry and also juggling my business. I had to ask myself, how much time do I have to pour into my business? And, and after that, how much time do I have to pour into my relationship with God? Those were the main two things that like that I asked myself. And if that was that I had an hour a day to build my business, that's all that I had. And I and I was faithful to that hour. I cultivated what I was supposed to cultivate within that hour. And that had led me up to where I now have a master class where I'm kind of teaching the same uh, steps that I had to go through with me understanding how to create content how to create blog articles and how to also sign all in clients that doesn't um, that do not try to negotiate the price of your services because some people would do that. And also just how to set boundaries. So this conversation that we had today is really circling around the three things that we're talking about within an upcoming masterclass that will be available um, Friday. Friday. So tomorrow you are launching the link for this masterclass. What's the title? The title is called Into 2023. So January, February, March, we're having masterclasses for that whole entire month, uh, for those whole entire three months. And so, yes, it's going to be just all of how to scale in 2023. Wow. How to go to scale. I think there's an opportunity for people who may have started something, but they don't know how to go to scale, which are two different strategies. They're two different mindsets. They are two different skill sets. And so you have a masterclass that's getting ready to start on Friday. So what are your social media handles for people to stay connected with you so that they can pick up that link? So all of my social media handles are is under my name, Andra Williams or Andra.Williams. And spell that for us. That's A-U-N-D-R-A dot W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. 
Thank you so much, Andra. This has been a wonderful conversation. I think it's been one in which uh, for some, especially in ministry, it can feel like a taboo to talk about money and faith in the same conversation. But the nuggets uh, that you gave us today with really recognizing we're talking about stewardship and that there is a biblical perspective to cultivating wealth and that uh, a man should be paid what they are worthy of their wage. And so this uh, is almost like a freeing moment. And I hope those who are listening will share this with others so that we can continue to not be afraid in ministry to do excellence and to put a price tag to it. So thank you for your honesty and openness. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> Truly appreciate it. So those who continue to listen in first, we say thank you for always logging into the flip side and share this conversation with someone you know who is either starting their business and they just need con con uh, consistency and encouragement to stay the course or as Andra has said, she has a resource and tool for those who have been doing it. And now it's time to take it to scale, share it with them so that they can absolutely learn from her wisdom. And same time, same place next week, we hope you will join us right here on the flip side. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.